All right. I guess that's, we can't just let the music play the whole episode. No, uh, I, don't, I don't even think our clip is 60 minutes long, so. Yeah. We can loop it. Uh, we could loop it. That'd be easy and just put ads in between uh, all of the uh, different breaks. But I guess at this point, uh, we actually have to do our job. Hey, it's the Let's Make It Better podcast, episode number 11, 1T1, if you're one of those ironic people uh, that wants to actually, uh, you know, ask yourself why 11 is 11 versus 1T1, like 21 and 31. This is 11. I uh, can't believe we actually, that means we've done probably close to 12 hours of recorded content at this point. That's, for two guys who have nothing to say, that's a lot of content. Yeah, and I, I don't think there was just a whole lot of, um, um, what do you think? Um, um, we actually, I think, uh, granted it was twaddle and nonsense, but uh, we did actually fill the time, which I'm pretty impressed by. We did, yeah. We're, we are substances less, usually. We are then, what? What word was that? Substance substances subs okay. All right, well less. I won't I won't throw stones. I'm not sure I wasn't sure I understood your wording there at the There's beginning. Nothing <clears throat> wrong with making up words. <laughs> if you're gonna make up words, make up easier ones to say than uh, than one that's fifteen syllables long like that, but that's okay. Uh, I like substances less. I like confuzzled. I'm a big fan of fail-tastic, which means to awesomely fail. Ooh, I, I haven't heard that one before. Don't, don't take that. I'm buying, I'm trying to buy the URL and um, that's my, my new moniker, Failtastic. Well, can we, can we uh, attach that? Uh, th that, you know what, that actually might be the good name for our mistakes were made uh, segment whenever we go back and do another, because we do that segment, you know, when we on occasion actually are found to have made a mistake in one of the episodes, we go back and, you know, we kind of revisit it, try to correct it, or at least, you know, mea culpa on it, but maybe fail-tastic uh, could be our, our subline for that. I like it. I like it too. I, and I had a fail-tastic mistake in the last episode, as you, you may recall, I, uh, I recorded it sober and that was not the right thing to do. Uh, you know, some people, you know, like Dr. Johnny Fever from WKRP, you get better the more you drink. And I understand that if that's a, if that's what works for you, you know, a lot of people, it's CBD uh, for you. Uh, I'm not sure. What was your, what's your drink of choice tonight, by the way? Uh, yeah, today is Hazy Little Thing IPA. It's kind of my go-to standard. Well, very good. Well, I'm expecting great things from you tonight, uh, then, if you're, in fact, uh, lubricating uh, before you get started. Here's the deal. I've had a few sips. That's all. That's all I've had. Um, all right. Well, I'll let you work I, your way into it. Well, I did. I did double red count uh, blood donation today. So. Oh, did you? Yeah. So I have very little stuff left in my body. So, what's there? You know, the hazy should do its job pretty quick. Last time I gave blood, I passed out. No, no lie. True story. Last time I really? gave blood, I stood up to leave the bus and uh, didn't. Uh, went right back down where I was at. And uh, yeah, that's not my proudest moment uh, by any means. But, uh, you know, if you, uh, uh, you want to talk about your proudest moment or maybe talk about your proudest moment uh, that you've seen in this podcast so far, given as we are up to episode 11, uh, make it better notes at gmail.com, M A K E I T B E T T E R N O T E S at gmail.com. That is our email address. Drop us a line, drop us a note. Uh, drop us some information. Tell us if we've made a mistake. Tell us that uh, we need a better taste in alcohol, whatever you'd like to tell us. Even drop a voice memo. Uh, and you know what? If it's uh, good enough, we might even play it on the show. You might hear your own voice coming back to you through your earbuds. So that's let's, or excuse me, make it better notes at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is let's make it bet, B E T T. And then the number two, let's make it bet two. You can tweet and us. Is that what you do on the Twitter is you tweet? You can I think tweet you us. tweet, you retweet, uh, you, I, I heard a term the other day that uh, now I can't remember what it was, but there, I think there's an entire um, set of nomenclature for how you use the Twitter. Um, and I'm both embarrassed and proud that I don't really understand it. So it has nothing to do with my age either, by the way. I just, I'm just so uninterested in uh, being a Twitter expert, but yeah, you can tweet at us, at us. <laughs> I mean, at us, uh, whatever you do, retweet. Yeah. I don't know. Follow, don't know. follow would be good. We, we have 10 followers. We should try to get that to 
know, 12 by the end of the week. We should try to have more followers than our episode number. Oh, that's, well, that's so, a goal. So we that's our, that's our marketing goal. So we need to get to 11 uh, this week and then next week, 12. And then maybe, you know, um, maybe at some point we'll have to work in some sort of an adder, you know, a, a, a multiplier so we can actually see some exponential growth. But uh, hey, you know what? We had uh, zero after our, you know, before our first episode. So the fact that we're up to 10, that's a good sign. Things are going in the right direction. We're definitely on the right path. On the right path. So speaking of the path, hey, what do you think we do? Uh, what do you think about doing the news? Absolutely do the news. Well, it has been a, uh, I don't know, a, a, I wouldn't say a, uh, a, a high news day, but uh, for the week after Thanksgiving, there's a lot going on. But uh, I picked out a few stories here that I thought were, were interesting for our IQ level anyway. The, uh, the giant Arecibo radio telescope collapsed in Puerto Rico. Um, if you're not familiar or you don't remember that one, it's been in a bunch of movies. Uh, the, uh, the telescope was in one of the James Bond movies. Um, was it, I'm not sure if it was, uh, for your eyes, only one of those uh, where it was actually uh, shown as being submerged underwater and then the water kind of is drained out of it at the end. And it's, I don't know if it's supposed to be a satellite or a laser or something in the James Bond movie. It was also uh, used in the movie Contact, uh, Jodie Foster movie. So if you remember that big dish out in the middle of the uh, forest or rainforest there in, in Puerto Rico, um, you know the one I'm talking about, sir? Uh, yes, I'm aware. So that huge radio telescope in Puerto Rico uh, has played a key role in astronomical discoveries for more than half a century, but it collapsed uh, on Tuesday of this week. So that would be on December 1st. The telescope's 900 ton receiver platform fell onto the reflector dish more than 400 feet below. And again, I think that also happened in the uh, James Bond movie. Uh, the US hey, National, um, yeah. If a telescope falls in the woods and there's no one there to hear it, does it make a sound? Uh, I think it makes a sound, uh, but uh, granted, I, this was a radio telescope on top of it, so this was probably the last sound that it heard uh, was its own death. Think of that for sadness and a, wow. somber, a somber view. The U.S. National Science Foundation had earlier announced that the Arecibo Observatory would be closed. An auxiliary cable snapped in August, causing a 100-foot gash on the 1,000-foot wide. God, 1,000-foot wide. So what is that? Uh, three football fields or so? 305-meter yep. reflector dish and damaged the receiver platform that hung above it. The main cable broke in early November. The collapse stunned many scientists who had relied on what was until recently the largest radio telescope in the world. It's a huge loss, said Carmen Pantola, I'm guessing on that pronunciation, an astronomer and, astronomer and professor at the University of Puerto Rico who used the telescope for her doctorate. It was a chapter of my life, um, is what she said. Boy, that's, boy, she's a very warm person. It's a huge <laughs> loss and it was a chapter of my life, but she's rather matter of fact, she's a scientist. Uh, scientists worldwide have been petitioning the United States uh, officials and others to reverse the NSF's decision to close the observatory. The NSF said that at the time that it intended to eventually reopen the visitor center and restore operations at the observatory's remaining assets, including its two LIDAR facilities used for upper atmospheric and uh, ionospheric uh, research, including analyzing cloud cover and precipitation data. The telescope was built in the 1960s with money from the US Defense Department amid a push to develop an anti-ballistic missile defense. It had endured hurricanes, tropical humidity, and a recent string uh, of earthquakes uh, in its 57 years. Uh, of operation. It also drew about 90,000 uh, visitors a year. So pretty interesting uh, that, uh, like I said, I've seen that in a number of movies. I've seen that, um, you know, referenced as sort of a, uh, a natural, uh, a not, not a natural, but a man-made um, kind of wonder of the world, if you will, out there in Puerto Rico. But that's no. not one of the seven, is it? Is it is not one eighth? of the sevens. It is not one of the sevens, probably not even one of the eighth. Um, I'm not sure even what number we're up to now, but that one probably didn't make the cut and certainly not now because she is kaput. Uh, this one is weird. Um, I'm not really into, so I, I, I'm, as a cultural study, I am, I'm interested in people who are vegetarian who want to pretend they're eating meat. I, I don't understand that at all. 
Um, so I assume that when you're talking about the impossible burger or, um, you know, meat that's basically not meat, but plant, plant product, that they're targeting this at meat eaters to try and convert people away from meat for health reasons or cultural reasons or, you know, whatever. Uh, so I, I, I'm always confused a little bit by people who are, who are true ve vegetarians or vegans, but um, are aiming for stuff that looks like it came from a cow, uh, but yet at the same time isn't. Uh, a no-kill lab-grown meat to go on sale for the first time. This is a story uh, in The Guardian. Uh, cultured meat, the producer in, uh, produced in bioreactors without the slaughter of an animal, has been approved for sale by a regulatory authority for the very first time. The development has been hailed as a landmark moment across the meat industry. The quote-unquote chicken bites produced by the U.S. company Eat Just uh, have passed a safety review by the Singapore Food Agency. I'm sure I trust them. And the approval could open the door to a future when all meat is produced without the killing of livestock, the company said. Now, is it meat? I mean, by definition, meat comes from livestock, right? And it, to me, that's what meat is, correct? It, just because it looks like meat and maybe tastes like meat, it ain't meat, right? You would think not unless there's somehow, uh, you know, doing some sort of um, cloning type thing like let's clone muscle and fat and make a meat thing. Yeah, I, I wanna jump so some of the detail of, of why they're doing this, you know, for cruelty to animals, et cetera. But it does say that the cells for Eat Just product are grown in a 1200 liter bioreactor. And then uh, <clears throat> those are combined with plant-based ingredients. Initial availability would be limited, the company said. And the bites would be sold in a restaurant in restaurants in Singapore. Uh, the product would be significantly more expensive than conventional chicken until production was scaled up. But he just uh, said it would ultimately be cheaper. The cells used to start the process came from a cell bank. It did not require the slaughter of a chicken uh, because the cells can be taken from biopsies of live animals. This just seems really weird. Um, you know, it's one thing to not know how your hot dog or your chicken nugget is made. Um, but I don't really like knowing how, how these are made, to be honest with you. I don't know. Something just strikes me as, as a little weird there, right? Yeah, well, it's taking everything that I have to not just vomit on my keyboard right now. It's, yeah, this doesn't sound right at all. And, you know, frankly, if, if they're producing this, it, it, you know, I've seen the Alien movies. I've seen Rise of Skywalker. We all know that cloning goes bad. And if that's what this is, something produced from cells to make a meat-like product, it's, it goes bad. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I don't think we're quite there yet. Uh, you know, I think uh, societally, I don't think we've quote-unquote evolved to the point of being able to create life, um, whether it be through, you know, you know, the idea of creating life that looks like dead life in this case, uh, or, uh, or other forms, you know, the, the sheep we've cloned in the past, uh, etc. I think we've got enough problems as our own, let alone trying to create new ones but let's move the, on the, the litmus test is uh you know does it have to be refrigerated or frozen if not then it's a huge problem if you can leave it out on the shelf and it's okay that's a problem uh yeah it doesn't seem natural does it no here's a story from the verge now i am not a big reddit user are you a reddit user you know, sometimes I'll find something on the interwebs that's on Reddit and I get the pop-up that asks, would you like to view this in the app or continue with Chrome? And I continue with Chrome. So I would say, no, I'm not a Reddit user. Yeah, and I, I get that pop-up too if I, and I never go to Reddit intentionally. It's always, I've searched something. Usually, you know, how, how do I how do I change the cartridge in my faucet or something like that? And I'll end up on some some thread that's actually on Reddit, but I never go there as a, a matter of purpose. Uh, but you're right, I get that pop up too. And uh, I'm always concerned. It's like, well, it's, you know, are, are these buttons a, uh, is this like a, uh, uh, or, you know, a, a virus, you know, running inside this, this, this website? What am I clicking on here? Because it, it seems unnatural. Well, Reddit reveals that they now have a daily active user count for the first time of 52 million users. Uh, which blows my mind. Reddit revealed that it now has 52 million daily users and the number appears to be growing quickly, Reddit told the Wall Street Journal. That daily usage grew 44% year over year for October, a sizable increase on a metric that speaks to just how essential a product it is to its user. And yet you and I do not consider it essential. 
This number is small compared to the other social media rivals. Uh, Twitter has 187 uh, million daily users, 10 of which are subscribers to Let's Make It Bet 2. Snapchat has 249 million and Facebook has 1.82. Holy cow, <clears throat> I uh, almost swallowed my tongue there. Facebook has 1.82 billion daily, billion. holy cow, <laughs> 1.82 billion daily users. Uh, but at their larger sizes, none of those services are seeing daily usage grow as rapidly as Reddit. Well, by percentage, they couldn't. I mean, Facebook could not grow 44% on, on a 1.82 billion number. Um, that I don't, we just don't have enough people. Right. In, the, in the most recent quarters, Twitter reported just a 29% year over year growth, Snapchat 18% and Facebook, God, Facebook still grew 12% though on uh, 1.82 billion. That's what, 200 million people? Something like that probably? Well, and Facebook is picking up uh, people coming of age where they can use Facebook, but they're also picking up the people who recently forgot their password. Um, so oh, I forgot my password. I had to create a new account because I got a different phone. I see that all the time. So mm -hmm. I don't think Facebook grows. I think people just forget their password. Well, and interestingly enough, um, Facebook by spanning out and, uh, you know, so uh, like I, I recently acquired an Oculus, which is the VR platform um, that Facebook owns. And now for the first time in order to use um, the Oculus, you have to have a Facebook account. So, you know, whether or not you're a Facebook user, uh, you may be in, you know, required uh, to be a user simply by, by virtue of wanting to use one of the, uh, you know, the ancillary devices. So pretty interesting. Reddit has focused on monthly usage in the past. Uh, this time last year, the company said it had 430 million monthly users with 30% year over year growth. The quick growth has come during a period that Reddit began to iterate more rapidly on its service. It rolled out a significant redesign in 2018. Really? Because it still looks stale to me every time I'm there. Uh, and this year has added features like galleries and polls. Uh, the company has also gotten more serious about cracking down on some of the problematic communities that were hosted on its site, uh, which should help to keep um, or keep and help make the service friendlier to both advertisers and users overall. So Reddit really is just, it's just sort of a social blogging site, right? It's a place to post questions, uh, you know, post rants, and then have people comment on those, right? And there's, there's really nothing more... Uh, to it than that, right? Am I missing the story there? I don't think you are. It, it, to me, when I go there, it looks like a forum. Remember the forums of the you know, early yeah. 2000s? Um, yeah. Post a question, people answer it. That's, yeah. that's kind of the end of it. Yeah, I don't see it as uh, being any more uh, fancy than that. Like I said, I always end up there because I searched something else. Uh, I don't find myself going to Reddit every morning, but, um, and I, to be honest with you, I don't want any new habits like that. So I won't be uh, starting those new habits. Uh, anytime, anytime soon. All right. Well, I think it's about time. We're going to start pivoting into our topic uh, for this week. Um, and it's and it's good that we do that because uh, this week we're going to talk about streaming services. And I think uh, specifically video streaming services, but there's a, there's kind of a crossover uh, with streaming services, right? We, YouTube uh, is one of the places where a lot of kids watch or listen to music these days, right? And uh, so what's a video service? What's an audio service? How does that all mix together? Uh, it's hard to say, but digital has exploded and that's how we get our entertainment. And in fact, um, this is probably a good time to part, uh, point out once again, the digital services that we get uh, from Mark Alewine. MarkAlewineMusic.com provides our theme music. Uh, he has a new single out called Savor the Flavor that's available for you to purchase. And Mark creates original produced music uh, for you to enjoy, certainly, but then also for you to embed and use for your own productions. Uh, you want to add any more about Mark Alewine? He's a, he's a pretty great guy, and he's great to support uh, the Let's Make a Better podcast. Um, I, I like Mark a lot. He is a great guy. Um, music is, is fantastic. If you're looking for something uplifting, just to kind of move you, motivate you, I, I think that uh, Mark Mark's music is the place to go, markalewinemusic.com. Um, and uh, we're going to have him at, as a guest speaker in a future episode. Very excited about that. Funny guy. I think uh, our, our 10 listeners will love that. And speaking of Mark Alewine, there is Mark Alewine's music taking us out to break. So that is 
Let's Make It Better podcast, episode number 11, segment number one in the books. We will be back in a couple of minutes. Enjoy. Don't take the big com. Let's make a better podcast. Mark Gailowine music bumping us back into segment number two. I always have to pause when he pauses. I, th- I, I almost feel like it's polite, but it also makes me feel like a radio professional. <laughs> well, done. well done. I don't know that it makes me sound like a radio professional, but in my little mind, I feel like it makes me feel like a radio professional. That's one of the uh, great things about... Uh, Having a music bed underneath you, it just makes you want to talk over it, you know? Absolutely, yeah. I can see that. Uh, I remember uh, when I was on the, uh, uh, for a short period of time during college, I was on a radio station, and uh, there was a cartoon that hung on the wall in the uh, in the bullpen in the DJ booth, and uh, that uh, had a cartoon that was, um, oh, thank you, once again, my production value. And uh, it had, uh, like, four panels on it, and it was uh, all these different um, um people, superheroes, I think, uh, et cetera. And it was, each of them was split. It was secret fear uh, and, uh, and uh, secret pride, I think something like that. And uh, I don't remember and for, for what all the rest of them were, but when you got to a DJ, his secret pride uh, was making his voice sound deceptively deep. And his secret fear was, oh no, maybe this isn't as glamorous as I thought it was. <laughs> Yeah, but that was the life of a DJ. And if you ever want to know what it's like to work at a radio station, watch WKRP in Cincinnati. It it almost is a um, it almost is a documentary. Uh, frankly, it's some crazy people and a, and a wild place to definitely learn about how a business works and how marketing works. That's for sure. Did you ever do anything with that sort of a a college radio or radio in general? I, I didn't. Um... <clears throat> other than having a headset on at work, this podcast is the closest that I've come to any sort of uh, radio type production. It, it's a trip, man. Um, learning about how, uh, you know, just, you know, you've got some wildly creative people and then you've got the um, yeah, inc- in, incredibly just sort of uh, risk averse salespeople that work there um, that, you know, it, I, I don't know how, how to describe it. It's the most bizarre business uh, to work in. And if you spend any time listening to radio now and you hear kind of the, the words that are said between the sentences when people are talking about their, their coworkers, uh, apparently it hasn't changed much in 20 some years. Uh, radio is still, is still radio. We want to talk to about streaming services and specifically things like Hulu, uh, Netflix, Amazon Prime, uh, what else, Crackle. Disney Plus, uh, Disney Apple TV Plus. Uh, let, let's list a few of those. So we've we've already listed a few. Um, I can think of also um, uh, Paramount is streamable. CBS, uh, what CBS has it there? CBS Network. All access. All access. Thank you very much. That's where the 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 Picard show was, right? They had access to or had to, exclusive access to the Picard Star Trek series. That was CBS All Access. Peacock. Uh, Peacock, that's the, is that, now that's the new NBC one, right? Yep. Uh, so, uh, but then you even get into things like Fox Sports Go, the Big Ten Network, uh, Major League Baseball has a streaming app. The NFL has a streaming app. I assume the NBA has a streaming app? I don't know. Um, okay. But yes, I would assume so. Uh, who, who doesn't have a streaming app? Maybe that would be a shorter list. Well, it's true. Uh, Voodoo. Uh, Voodoo is a Walmart product. That's a, a video streaming device, streaming service in which you can subscribe and buy movies just like you can through Amazon or some of the others. Yeah, you're right. There are, and uh, gosh, there's one that's popcorn. Um, I think it's logo is popcorn. It kind of looks like a popcorn box. There's just, there's dozens and dozens and dozens of these. And I was, I was struck the other day when I was um, looking at this going, uh, you remember when we used to complain that I have to pay for 200 channels uh, on my cable network and all I watch is four? Why can't I just buy the four channels that I want to watch? Uh, and today we can almost do that and it's worse. 
Agreed. It, it's, it's excessive. I mean, how do you know which, which ones to subscribe to? You have a limited budget on, on where you're going to put your dollars. And, you know, if you want to see The Office, so maybe you have to go to Peacock now or HBO Max or something along those lines because it's not on Netflix anymore. Or um, if you want to watch uh, Better Call Saul, um, but you want to catch the first season, well, that's not going to be on any of the streaming services. You have to use AMC's streaming service. I realize that's on Netflix and it was a bad example, but um, that's what it's coming down to. It's, um, uh, you, know, you, you have to pick and choose. You can't have them all anymore. How about Apple TV this year getting exclusive rights to all the Charlie Brown specials right at the holidays? Uh, and then basically having to having to, uh, um, you know, back backtrack on that and then allow Charlie Brown Christmas to be shown and, and, uh, and the Thanksgiving and the, the pumpkin special be shown on PBS uh, because there was such a backlash uh, to the idea that, that uh, you'd have to own or watch Apple TV Plus in order to get those specials for the holiday season. That's something that's been in everybody's living room since they came out. And now a company comes in and says, oh, we got it. You have to subscribe to us to watch it. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. I never had to do that. Dolly Madison took care of the the Dolly Madison. So um, what's going on here? And, you know, I'm not an Apple person. I'm never going to subscribe to Apple TV. I know that I could, but I'm not going to. It's not my thing. So quit taking stuff away from me. That's been a tradition for years and years and years. Do you, uh, so have you cut the cord or do you still have a, a satellite or cable provider? I had cut the cord uh, quite a while ago. I was kind of ahead of the curve. Even before cut the cord was a thing, I was cutting the cord. I went to TiVo and uh, over the air antenna um, and just recorded network TV because when you say, oh, I only watch four channels, those were pretty much the four I was watching was network TV. The one thing I missed out on though, was sports. You can get your Fox Sports stations, um, ESPN. Missed out on that. I missed out on that for years. And then YouTube TV rolls around, offers your locals plus some uh, expanded networks for 35 bucks a month. I'm looking at that and saying, well, I'm paying, you know, 12 to 15 for TiVo. I think I might flip over here to YouTube TV because it did have a DVR with it. However, since I've had YouTube TV, I think it's been about two years now, they're up to $65 and they couldn't renew their contract with Fox Sports. So I'm paying way more for it and I don't get Fox Sports, which is one of the things that I was missing out on when I was doing my um, over the air TV. Yeah, it's gone full circle. Uh, so I was a Dish Network subscriber for years um, and I left Dish Network finally uh, when once again, they, they, this had happened several times while we were subscribers where they had, uh, you know, lost, you know, they were in contract negotiations with Viacom or with Fox. It, it changed, right? And, and uh, sometimes it worked to my advantage. They'd give you a dollar or two back a month on your bill, and I didn't have to worry about accidentally ending up on MTV uh, because MTV happened to be off my channels or, or something like that. But, you know, this last time around with, with Fox, I like to watch baseball. That's the number one thing I like to do in the summer if I'm going to turn on sports. And I lost access to Fox Sports, which is where, you know, mine and many other regional sports channels carry their regional baseball teams. And uh, this time, Dish was brazen about it. These channels cost too much for us to run. Not enough people watch them. And they even came so far, went so far as to say, we know we're going to lose customers over this and we don't care. Uh, it doesn't represent a large enough percentage of our customer base for us to actually uh, take the financial hit of trying to sign this contract. So I said, fine, I'll leave. Uh, but I went to Hulu TV. I looked at YouTube TV as well, and I chose to go to Hulu TV at that time. Um, and uh, I've, actually, I've actually cut the cord on cutting the cord. I've left Hulu and went back uh, to what essentially is cable uh, television now. And my reasoning for going back is number one, I can still get my, my Fox sports on my, on my conventional cable, but the, the experience of sitting down to watch television versus sit down to watch a movie or a la carte TV, like you were doing on a Netflix or an Amazon prime, the experience of sitting down with a remote control and clicking through the channels, maybe it's my age. That's just so much more comfortable and natural for me than what I was having to do with, with Hulu or YouTube before 
uh, where I was, you know, I couldn't, you know, jump back and forth between channels. Uh, I, I couldn't scroll through a channel list really to see what was on, not very well anyway. Uh, does that not bother you uh, when you're using those digital services that it, it's not like watching TV? It just really isn't. It's not what we're used to. Yeah, it, and I get that you you have kind of that uh, muscle memory thing um, that's going on when you're using the remote and just kind of flipping through channels. I, I understand that, and it, it probably is something that I miss. Um, but what I you know, appreciate but, more. Well, and before you say that, you know what? Not just muscle memory. You know what? What surprised me the most when I didn't have it anymore was a channel number. Right. I I want to watch Motor Trend TV, so I'll type in channel two seven zero. Right. Well, on Hulu, it was you know, alphabetical if you were lucky. Uh, and so then he was try to figure out where is that channel in this, in this, in this guide. Uh, it was, it was a pain in the butt, an absolute pain in the butt for me to actually watch conventional TV. Yeah. And YouTube TV isn't any better. If they add a new channel, it usually gets tacked on to the end. There's no rhyme or reason to where you find them other than they try to do some sort of grouping. So You'll start out with your network channels first. Uh, then I don't know what crap it is. After that, um, your sports, after your sports news. Um, but you have to look. It's not like you can just, you know, scroll and all of a sudden you see a big bold bar that says sports. Um, you have to look to see where you are. That said, you can search for a, a genre and, and navigate that way. But it, you're right. It's, it's not like typing in 207 or 210 on the remote at all. Um, and I think it's, it is a lost experience. Now that said, the ability to record a show, fast forward through commercials. Okay. Okay. okay we're back. We had a technical, technical disaster there for a minute. Apparently he was trying to watch uh, HD on his YouTube TV and, and lost his internet there for a minute or something. I'm not sure what happened. Back up. We were talking about yeah, uh, your ability, your, 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 your YouTube. Tell me about your YouTube a little more. Are you still there? YouTube Maybe we lost TV you again. Really Are you still there? Did you fall over, old man? Did you? Oh, I, I'm still here. Can you yep. hear me? We got Hello? you. We got you. Yep. You're good. You're good. We got you. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. You're good. Okay. All right. You're good. So I was talking about the, the DVR of YouTube TV. Um, I really appreciate that. I like it. Um, and what's nice about YouTube TV when you DVR a show, when you hit record, it usually gives you the prior seasons of the show too. Um, just because, you know, it's, it's not sit and wait for it to record. It's like, yeah, we have this in on our server somewhere. So we'll, we'll spool it up for you. Um, so I, that portion outweighs being able to have the, the tactical response of, of, you know, plugging in a number for me. So you're right. I, and I think I'm, I'm being a little harsh on, on the, I guess what the interactivity you'd have, because these aren't conventional television, right? These are, what Netflix gave us when it first realized the purpose of its name and switched from DVDs to allowing you to stream movies, what it gave us, these other services now just sort of added in all of the other, other aspects of, of home entertainment from a conventional TV perspective, right? They just, they added all that. It became additive. And so it's not surprising that we lose some of the, the idioms that we were used to with a cable box or, or a satellite receiver. I guess I get that. And to be honest with you, you're right. Those creature comforts that you got in the Netflix world being brought into the, into the TV world were really, really nice. The idea that, by the way, when I would switch from channel to channel, Hulu did have a, a last watched fun function. So I could almost do like recall on the remote. So I could start watching one show, jump back to a different one. The difference being, let's say I jump over to a football game and I watched that for 25 minutes and then I go back to Die Hard or something, right? That was on a movie channel. Uh, those channels don't continue moving forward. It remembered where I left off. So if I was at, you know, the, uh, you know, whatever, you know, I was at some point in the movie, the, uh, the, you know, the airplane scene, right? When he arrives in Die Hard, right? And he's in the limo on the way to Nakatomi Plaza. If I skip over and I watch a full quarter of football and I come back, he's still in the limo on his way to Nakatomi Plaza. It remembers where I left off. Now, in some cases, that's nice, but in other cases, I'm flipping around and I'm perfectly willing to skip, you know, 20 minutes of dialogue I don't care about, but I can't do that, right? And that took a lot for me to get used to. And, and again, maybe it's just, 
you know, me having idioms and being a fuddy-duddy. I want to get back to the cost, though, because you mentioned the cost. I finally dropped Hulu again. As I said, I've gone back to conventional TV, but part of it was because my Hulu costs were up to uh, over $70 a month. And that was because I was, you know, I was buying the base Hulu package, and then I was buying local channels. And I think right away that gets you up to like $50, $55. Uh, but then if you want the no commercial package, that's another five or six bucks a month. And then on what I was finding was I was still getting commercials. And if you look on the internet, you can see there's a lot of people complaining about that. And then in my contacting Hulu support, they said, oh, well, if you sign up for the cloud DVR, then you not only won't get commercials, but you'll get this, I don't know, quad, you know, petabyte of storage to store your data. So I tried that. And that was another $10 a month. We still got commercials. And it was, it was completely unpredictable when you would get commercials on a streamed show and, and when you wouldn't. And also what was really annoying is, you know, my tactic has been with TV for years, especially if it's a sporting event, start the sporting event, hit pause and go, you know, make a drink, get your popcorn made, whatever, come back 25 minutes later and then be able to skip through the commercials, right? Because you've paused the show. Nah, can't do that with the Hulu streaming service. I can do that with my conventional TV now and that's wonderful. I can't do it, I couldn't do it at all with Hulu and it drove me crazy and I was spending as much money as I am now uh, for conventional back to normal cable service and I'm happy as a clam. And it, it comes down to what, what you're looking for. Um, YouTube TV used to, um, if you tried to watch a show too soon after it aired, you would get commercials in it. So if I wanted to watch Superstore on NBC, um, I couldn't choose the Superstore that was aired. I'd have to choose the, uh, you know, air quotes, streaming Superstore version that had ads plugged into it that you couldn't skip. If I waited a day or two, then I could watch what was actually aired and I could fast forward through the commercials. But why? So, but why? I mean, you're spending how much a month still for this service? Uh, the, the, I don't understand why you're subjected to that. Why do they have to do that? Yeah, exactly. They're getting my subscription. Why do they need ad revenue on top of it? Um, it's at that point greed. Um, so here's a, the downfall of the DVR, speaking of being able to fast forward through commercials and, and recording stuff. If a show through that streaming service or through YouTube TV is no longer available for some reason, or it perhaps switches carriers. Um, so maybe it goes from NBC to Peacock. They will pull it from your DVR. It won't be there anymore. Even though you recorded it, you haven't quite recorded it. You've, you've borrowed it and they can take it back at any point. Um, and, and that's been frustrating because I've had, you know, uh, games that I want to go back to and look at some highlights or maybe a prior season of a show and I can't season season one was there but now I only have the the first four episodes of season three because that's all available now through through all that is available through YouTube TV so there are some frustrations with the DVR back when I had TiVo and my network TV I was recording to a device in my living room and no one could come take it, um, you know, except criminals. But um, <laughs> the, the service couldn't pull it from me. So when I recorded it, it was there to stay. Now, where that was nice is if there was uh, something in the news that I wanted to watch and go back to later, like maybe I had a family member or a friend that was, was in the news for good reasons, um, <laughs> I'd want to record it and save it so I could show friends later on or what have you. It would still be there where that's not the case. Um, with your streaming services. So there are some, some downfalls with the DVR and you could make the argument for, let's go back to the way it was because the way we're going now sucks. Now, some positives I will say that I miss uh, with, with the Hulu or the YouTube TV, again, I tried both. Um, your viewing location is fluid. So if, if you're watching you know, in you know, the living room or the dining room, that's one thing. Uh, but your experience, if you leave the house and go to a hotel or, you know, whatever, go out, you know, to your garage, uh, as long as you can plug in your streaming device, whatever that might be, or use your phone, whatever, your experience is exactly the same. All of your recordings are there. All of your settings are there. You're, it's like you're at home. 
And you know, if you use a DISH or DirecTV or cable provider, they typically have remote access capabilities, but it's usually not the same. Usually it takes a certain amount of, of you know, a special app or some ho hoops to jump through to make that work. Uh, and there was something to be said for the fact that, you know, uh, with the streaming service, wherever I was, my content was with me. As long as I had the internet, um, it didn't care where I was. Uh, and, I, and I do appreciate that. I shouldn't, I guess I shouldn't be that angry at them uh, at the streaming service because in fact, we should pivot away from even just conventional television. Uh, Netflix and Amazon in particular uh, you know, Amazon Prime and Netflix being the two primary large amounts, large um, volume streaming services, and then the addition of Apple and Disney and all the rest. Uh, it is pretty wonderful to be able to find any number of movies uh, and just start playing them whenever you want. I never would have imagined that as a kid that I could go find uh, a random movie to right now or scroll through a thousand of them. Uh, and and just decide to play them versus going to the gas station and finding a videotape uh, or a DVD like we used to or wait for something, good Lord, uh, to come on network TV. Pretty amazing when you think about it. It is amazing, but explain this to me. So Redbox, Redbox is everywhere. You go to a gas station, McDonald's, whatever you can rent from the Redbox, $1.99 for a, for a HD uh, or a, a Blu-ray, I should say. Um, Redbox now has an app, so you can rent movies from the Redbox app why is it $4.99 from the app when it's $1.99 to go get the physical DVD out of the machine? How does that make any sense? It doesn't make any sense. I had no, first of all, I had no idea you could even do that. I didn't know Redbox had a streaming service, but that doesn't make any sense at all. None to me. Yeah, I, I don't understand it. it it's, uh, it's like a ATM fee. I'm not actually using a person to get my money, but yet the bank is charging me $3 to get my money. You know, if I'm only there getting 20, 40 bucks, that's, that's a pretty hefty percentage of what I'm trying to withdraw. Uh, again, I'm, you're not paying a person to, to give this to me. You're not giving me something physical. It's all electronic. It's all, you know, in the air. So why is there yeah. a charge? It's like they're incenting you to still go use those vending machines uh, rather than having to compete against the Netflixes and the uh, Amazon Primes and the Apple TVs and the Voodoos and the Crackles and the ESPN Pluses and the Paramounts and the Peacocks and the list goes on and on and on. That's the uh, Let's Make It Better podcast segment number two. We will be right back in a couple of minutes. Let's make it better podcast segment number three final segment talking about streaming services streaming devices I was really irritated and frustrated this week uh, or I should say this fall because I heard that uh, one of my uh, one of my favorite uh, series uh, a series called uh, well they've had a couple long way round long way down and now long way up uh, which is uh, Ewan McGregor and uh, Charlie, can't remember his last name right now, uh, but it's a, uh, it's a story about a couple of guys who take their adventure motorcycles. They decide to, in the first episode, go from London uh, across Asia, across uh, China, Mongolia, and uh, take a boat, take Alaska, go all the way down to, to Los Angeles. That's where they end in the first one. The second one, they go down to the Horn of Africa, again, starting from London. And now in the third one, they're coming from the tip of South America, going all the way up, uh, and again, ending in Los Angeles. Uh, pretty excited when that was going to, they were going to have a third chapter of the series. Uh, the first chapter never was on a streaming service. It was filmed in 2004. I could never find it. I couldn't buy the DVD. People told me it was wonderful. Uh, it finally showed up on Amazon Prime about two, three years ago. I watched it. I loved it. And when the new series was going to come out, I was excited. And then I found out it was going to be 
on Apple TV and nowhere else. I could not <laughs> buy it, could not get it from anywhere. It was only going to be on Apple TV. And I was crestfallen until my phone broke. I had to buy a new phone and I got a year of Apple TV for free. Uh, so we have just started watching the uh, long way up. But that, I, we touched on this before. Um, if, if we could fix anything with the streaming services, I would love to see us get to a point, you know, back the way NBC was NBC, ABC was ABC, TNT is TNT, whatever, right? Let's carry those channels and let's carry that content across the different providers and let me truly choose, be competitive and let me choose which one I want uh, based on the service level, based on price. Uh, I, I just hate the idea that we've made the problem worse by locking content into one provider and not allowing me to get that same content on another provider. Because you know what? I don't want to switch providers every six months uh, when the show I want happens to, you know, be on another provider's distribution network. Yeah. And you take like the, the office that's being pulled from Netflix, move somewhere else. So Netflix used to be available to everyone through the airwaves, channel 11. You could find it no problem. Now you're being forced to subscribe to one provider if you want to see it. So it was available to everyone. Now it's not. I hate that. What I don't mind is if a provider has original content and it's exclusive to that provider. That makes sense. Stranger Things on Netflix. Fine. If I want to watch mm -hmm. Stranger Things, I'll right. subscribe to Netflix. Makes yep. sense. But don't make me go somewhere else to, to find something that was readily available a few years ago. Yeah, you're right. That, and that does make sense. I mean, if, if and for all I would know, Long Way Up was filmed by Apple I, or greatly bankrolled by Apple. Don't know. Uh, but very, very good point. If it's a Netflix show or if it's an NBC show and it's on Peacock, I guess I kind of understand that. Uh, but when it is these sort of just, you know, available programs, because here, here's the thing, if you've ever noticed, um, when a movie is on Netflix or a show is on Netflix and then it falls off for a while, so it's not streamable anymore, more, if you happen to own Amazon Prime also, it, it, it's uncanny that those shows will both be on Netflix and Amazon Prime and then both be off at the same time. So it's not like you can hedge your bets by owning two of these services. It's, it's just hard to know whether it's going to be on one or the other. And maybe this gets us to, to the whole net neutrality discussion. Uh, because uh, when I look at Disney Plus as an example, the only reason I still have Hulu, and I, and I do, and the only reason that I have ESPN Plus, and I do, uh, is because when I bought Disney Plus, or uh, we decided we needed it for something, I think Mandalorian or something that I didn't really enjoy all that much um oh, you haven't enjoyed mandalorian I uh, that show i enjoyed a lot of it that i didn't sleep through um the the bundle it was a bundle and so we just got it and it was and at that time we still had hulu so it was cheaper to get those three services uh than to buy the two services so i have it uh and that really is the net neutrality argument right i'm i'm now being forced or incented into having these three services because it's cost effective to do so. Um, but I am furthering this problem we've been complaining about, which is each service now is its own true subscription and each service has its own content. Uh, and now I have, I have made it harder to access this content because I'm, I'm again, I'm helping them further their, further this problem, right? I'm by being a T-Mobile subscriber, you know, Netflix bandwidth doesn't count against my data plan, right? So that again is furthering this problem of, um, you know, going and choosing providers because of ancillary benefit versus this just sort of ubiquitous nature that the internet's supposed to be and that digital content is supposed to, supposed to be provided through. Um, so I, I, I mean, net neutrality is a part of this for sure. And I have to admit that, you know, if I wanted to be honest, I should say, you know what, uh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to righteously say, I am not subscribing to your service because I disapprove of the way you're operating. Uh, but to your point, people in my house certainly wanted to watch Mandalorian. Uh, they wanted to watch Frozen 2. Uh, so, you know, Disney Plus is on and it's here and it's only seven bucks. Uh, and, you know, that's how we end up with, you know, 20 icons on our TV screen instead of two. Here's the workaround. You find yourself a group of friends and you say, okay, friend number one, you're subscribing to Netflix and you're going to give me the password. Friend number two, we're going to use your prime. I'll subscribe to Disney plus you guys can use that. So you've got a, a group that is now subscribing to the different services. 
um, and, and uh, only paying for one, um, or each person only pays for one. Great workaround. A lot of people are doing it. Um, I'm sure that all the providers know that people are doing it. And because they know they're doing it, they're going to find a way to shut it down. And when they do that, it's just one, one, one more way to, to dig into our wallet and get some more money. Um, you know, they, they know that that's lost revenue and they're going to try to find a way to, to get it. You know, I, in a pandemic year, is there any better value though than Amazon Prime? Um, all of the stuff that we've had to order, all the Christmas shopping this year that's being done, not going out to a store, all of the things that we had to order for our house over the summer that we couldn't go out and necessarily buy or buy as easily. Uh, and then you get the streaming service to go with it. Uh, that's it actually, what is it? Is it, is it still $99 a year or $120 a year, something like that? So what is that? 10, 12 bucks a month. Am I, am I doing the math on that? Right. I guess I don't know what current pricing is. Um, uh, last time I paid it was 99. I've heard that it's gone up to 109. I don't even pay attention. They just renew it for me. And yeah, but all Amazon the, Prime another year. All the free shipping, uh, all the video streaming. I think my Netflix subscription is up to $17 a month. Um, so Amazon Prime is, is quite the value uh, when you consider, you know, again, the shipping that you get from it, uh, the reduced rates sometimes that you'll get. Uh, I have a, I signed up for and have the Amazon credit card to go with it. So I get a little reward money that comes back uh, with those purchases. Again, I'm not doing myself any favors because I'm just feeding the beast. Uh, but it is a heck of a value uh, when, you, when you look at it compared to some of the others. You know, uh, a great streaming experience. Um, so uh, my wife and I like the show Yellowstone. Um, and for a while, that was only available uh, on uh, Philo, P-H-I-L-O. Now the Paramount Network has its own app, et cetera. But for a while, it was only on Philo. And Philo has a subset of a lot of different channels, um, especially those that were, and Hulu in particular, did not have those channels. Um, I, I forget the, uh, the broadcaster, uh, the broadcast company. Uh, but Philo in particular is a really nifty um, streaming service. It was done well. I don't even know if it still exists uh, because, again, the stuff has all kind of changed over again. Uh, but the experience with Philo, uh, the login experience was fantastic, um, you know, super smooth, super seamless, uh, super easy to use. Uh, but again, it was just fragmented. Other than the experience being better, I couldn't get all my services there. If I could have gotten all my services through Philo, I'd switch everything over to it because, again, it was that convenient and that easy to use. Oh, the Hallmark channels also uh, were through uh, Philo at that time, which my wife, especially this time of year, uh, was very interested in and was not available uh, in Hulu originally. Right. Your wife. No, trust me. Uh, <laughs> that is I, – I, I will – I will, uh, you know, I will pretend to not be interested in a lot of things for male reasons uh, in machismo and all that stuff. But this is a case where I am not interested in, in watching the same movie. Uh, you know, they have, I think they created 60 of those, or f is it 40 of those uh, movies uh, for this holiday season? 40. Uh, and I was doing some reading last night uh, because, again, I was curious what some of these actors make. The average one of those Hallmark movies is, a, is about $2 million to make. And what? in some cases, they're made in about 15 days. And in other cases, they, they noted that those movies are filmed sometimes a month before they're aired. How can it be so expensive? Because I know they're not paying writers. Every plot is the same. <laughs> City girl goes to the country to find herself, meets a guy, they fall in love, have Christmas together, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, they're very formulaic, but boy, they figured it out. They work, and uh, the uh, the people who like those shows, and it's not just ladies. The people who like those shows love it. Hey, you know what? This is a good segue for us to uh, pivot up out of streaming services and into a new segment that uh, I've decided we're going to call, What Are You Looking At? You like that? And it's going to be, what are you actually watching these days? Now, we're all penned up. We're all cooped up. Uh, we're all being forced to uh, watch way more TV than we probably should or want to. Uh, and so I'm just curious what it is that you've been spending your time binge watching, uh, uh, you know, sneak watching, whatever uh, on, on, your, on your TV. And I think for this purpose, you need to give us the streaming service too, if it is a streaming service, so we know. All right. So right now I'm watching Mandalorian, uh, Disney Plus, oh. of course. 
I love it. I love it. I love it. Here, here's, the, here's the thing with Mandalorian. You need to look through, look at it through a different lens. If you're, if you're looking for Star Wars, it, it's not that. If you're saying, I want a Western, that is exactly uh, what Mandalorian is. It's a can Western. I look at it through my eyelids? Because that's how I looked at it through the first series. Sci-fi Western. It has gotten so good. So good. Um, here's, here's my, I, w- I won't even say it's a complaint. Disney does it a little different. One episode per week. You can't even get ahead. You can't be sending spoilers out to the people who just picked it up and started watching it. it you get one episode a week um, and, and that's it. Uh, so, well, it's like where everything used to be. I mean, that's the way we right. grew up was one episode a week. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, you don't have people at the office cooler talking about it or at the water cooler in the office, I should say. Office cooler. People eh. at the water cooler in the office. Uh-huh. See, Whatever. Make There's no words. office anymore. Make There's no up. office anymore. So it doesn't really matter. Good point. Yeah, so... <laughs> They're not in your Zoom meeting. People are are five episodes ahead of you telling you what's going on. And you're still like, what's this baby Yoda? Um, it, you know, it, it's everyone's at the same spot. It's nice. Well, I'll go next. Let's, we'll kind of ping pong this back and forth here a little bit. So I'm going to give a, uh, a series that actually is, uh, it's finished. It's, I think, I want to say it's fourth season. Uh, I mentioned a little earlier, uh, the Paramount Network, uh, Yellowstone. Uh, not sure. Did you watch any of the Yellowstone episodes on Paramount Network? Again, we're on, I think, season four here already. Yeah, I haven't. Um, I think I want to say that that this show used to be on Showtime and I was not able to get it. Oh, I have um, no idea. I've never unless it's Showtime was on for free and I never was impressed with Showtime shows. Um, interestingly enough, though, one later in my list is actually a Showtime original, but uh, I don't know if this was on Showtime or not. I love it. Uh, Kevin Costner, who I like anyway, uh, I think a South Dakota boy, uh, Kevin Costner is in, uh, is in Yellowstone. It is a Western, uh, but a modern Western for sure. It's a little violent. If you like Sons of Anarchy, um, it's got that kind of a feel to it. A little violent, uh, a little edgy, a little definitely after nine o'clock after the kids have gone to bed. Uh, but uh, Yellowstone has been, uh, my wife and I, one of my favorites. And in fact, I think over Thanksgiving week, the uh, Paramount Network, if you uh, have the live TV uh, feed versus the streaming service only, uh, did a marathon uh, of Yellowstone, in fact. So a little late because it happened last week, but I think they went back to back all four seasons. Good stuff. Awesome. And I'm able to uh, DVR that on YouTube TV now, but it's only the current season. I can't get prior ones. So um, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. It's on my, my list to watch. All right. Do you have another one that you're going to throw out, sir? Just finished up the Queen's Gambit on. Uh, so is that good? I have uh, that's on. Uh, that's kind of on the watch list. Tell me I, about this one. I'm interested. So here's the thing. It's about chess. Chess isn't exciting. There's nothing fun about chess. Chess is a complicated game that requires you to think. The show, however, does not require you to think, and it's very engaging. It's just the trials of this woman trying to to make it through this this man's world um in a a competition that has typically been men and it's her her rise to fame and the struggles that go along with it and it was pretty incredible um they did it right it was a limited series and that's exactly what it should have been um it told the story and then it was done it doesn't carry on and drag on it's like this is how it happened and it's how many episodes uh i want to say seven i'll go with seven all right i'll take that uh, I will follow you with another Netflix show, another original Netflix, because I think Queen's Gambit's a Netflix show, right? Uh, yeah, one we were just actually watching before we recorded this. Uh, we've been watching it with uh, my daughter and my wife. We've been watching The Great British Baking Show, which you wouldn't think you'd want to watch, uh, but it will hook you in, The Great British Baking Show. Uh, it is, um, it's very PBS-like. Um, but of course, it's British, so maybe that's why. It kind of feels like a, a cross between, oh, you know, maybe one of these Food Network competition shows, but then with the temperament of Antiques Roadshow. Uh, so very refined, very civilized, but yet still competition. Uh, it has, I would guess, eight or nine episodes in each series. Uh, this series just finished. We are not done with this current series yet. Um, we have, I think probably four or five yet to go in this current series. Uh, but very enjoyable, very, 
I, I think there are a lot of things that you can watch that you have to pay attention to. You have to really very struggle to, to keep, keep your attention into them. That was my problem with Mandalorian. Once I would get bored, I'd fall asleep and that was the end of it. Uh, these don't require you to have that much effort. Uh, so they're, they're, they're enjoyable to watch maybe while you're eating dinner or, or just something to, to pass the time. Great British baking show on Netflix. Exciting. Yeah, I bet. You sound excited about that one. But uh, trust me, if you flip it on, watch an episode, you, you may find yourself watching a second one thereafter. Yeah, I, I've had a couple of people tell me that the, the shows like that, the baking shows, the Gordon Ramsay shows are much better when you watch the British version because they remove a lot of the drama that we so crave in the United States. And, and that is so true. If you watch Beat Bobby Flay or you watch, uh, you know, and it was true of the old school Iron Chef, um, the, the, the international Iron Chef versus the American Iron Chef, there was no comparison. The American versions were so filled with nonsense and fake drama and camera zooms. Uh, it's, it's unwatchable. Um, so I, I concur. Let's get out of here. I've got some TV to watch. Well, I got one more show I want to throw out though first oh, before. Yeah, I want to throw out one more show. And actually, I'm going to give you two shows. One, one first and then a, then a bonus. So the first show... Uh, is a series called Episodes, which is the Showtime show I referenced earlier. Uh, episodes with Matt LeBlanc uh, from Friends Frame. He was Joey on Friends. Um, very entertaining. It is streamable on Netflix now. It was a Showtime original. Um, and probably from, I want to say maybe 2012, it must be about that era. Uh, Matt LeBlanc basically plays himself, but I don't think it's himself. I mean, he plays uh, an actor who used to be on Friends who is an actor named Matt LeBlanc, uh, but he's a horrible human being. So I'd be surprised if it's actually, if he signed on to actually make that be <laughs> autobiographical. Uh, but uh, it's a show about two uh, British uh, people who have a successful show in English, in English, good Chris, uh, in England on the BBC. Uh, it gets picked up, they move it to California, and then of course it just gets destroyed uh, by the California Hollywood machine and turned into just a joke of a, of a series um, starring Matt LeBlanc. Uh, it's, it's, it's good, it's uh, one of those good shows you can watch while you're working now, camped up at home. Put it up on your second string. That is episodes. It's pretty good stuff. Uh, the, the last show I'm going to throw out there that I do think uh, you should take advantage of watching right now, especially until the end of the year, is Jeopardy. Uh, for the last couple of months here, the last 20 episodes or so, so with Alex Trebek. Alex Trebek finally lost his battle with, uh, I think, uh, pancreatic cancer, I do believe. Right, yeah. Yeah, uh, passed away uh, early November, mid-November, something like that. Uh, Jeopardy is one of the shows I enjoy watching with my family. I've watched it as a little kid. Uh, and to, uh, to have an end of the era like Alex Trebek going away, it will be, uh, it is a foreshadowing perhaps to what life will be like when either Vanna or Pat Sajak uh, signs off for the last time or passes away, uh, perhaps if they continue on as Alex did throughout the uh, throughout, uh, you know, the rest of their life still doing the show. Uh, but, you know, you've got about four weeks left of original Alex Trebek uh, before, uh, at least initially, Ken Jennings takes over uh, as the host uh, of Jeopardy. So National Treasure, even though he's from Canada, uh, Alex Trebek and Jeopardy, pick that one up while you still can. And I agree. Go ahead, sir. Well, someone found something dark in Ken Jennings' past. Like he he was mean to a puppy or something. And now I don't know if that's even going to happen. You know what? It is going to happen uh, because I am so tired of caring about that stuff. Unless uh, unless he had like a Jared from Subway moment, uh, I hope it, it's, uh, it's something we can all look beyond and it's not that big of a deal. But I guess I'll find out. But anyway, I, I thought he would be a good choice pending... Uh, whatever ugliness you're going to tell me they found about him. Yeah, but I'm pretty we'll sure he was mean to a puppy, and that was it. So, Well, that puppy had it coming. <laughs> All right. All right, our Mark Aloine music is going to take us out, markalewinemusic.com for all of your digital music needs. Check it out, markalewinemusic.com. Entertaining music, fulfilling music, but also music that you can use in your own productions. Uh, make markalewinemusic.com as always. 
is the music of the Let's Make It Better podcast. If you want to send us a note, makeitbetternotes at gmail.com. If you want to send us a tweet, let's make it bet too. On the Twitter, go ahead and follow us, subscribe. You will find out when these new episodes come out. And most importantly, subscribe. Go ahead and give us a rating. If it's in uh, Apple Podcasts, if it's Spotify, if it's in Stitcher, wherever you're picking up this podcast, give us a rating. We sure appreciate it. It helps us out. We will see you next week.